me at this point to John's Gospel. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word became flesh. Okay, I'm no particular fan of the guy's music. Um, but the Irish singer-songwriter Damien Rice, he does occasionally write some reasonably perceptive lyrics. Okay, so he begins a, one of his verses like this. He says, The windows open now and the winter settles in. We will call it Christmas when the adverts begin. And he's right, isn't he? Uh, we know that Christmas is upon us because our TVs are full of adverts. We know that Christmas is here because the John Lewis hair and bear advert has gone viral. Just now there are Christmas themes everywhere in, uh, on our TVs, in our shopping centres, in our schools, everywhere. And so I say, if you cannot beat them, you join them. So today we have a Christmas theme in our church, we come to the most festive of Christmas topics. We come to the Incarnation. This morning, we will consider today the humanity of Jesus Christ. The humanity of Christ. Now, you could argue, I suppose, that we've already kind of been looking at that over the, the, the past few weeks, haven't we? Because in the offices of Jesus Christ... We've been considering what Jesus did when he was a man, haven't we? We've been considering what Jesus fulfilled when he became man. But today it's slightly different. It's not the same. Today we're not considering the detail of the work that he did so much as we're kind of taking this gigantic step back and we're considering the truth itself. Okay, so... Let's think about that. Let's think about the humanity of Jesus Christ. The humanity of Jesus Christ. Let's consider our first heading today. This is our first heading. The overwhelming evidences of Jesus' humanity. We all got it? The overwhelming evidences of Jesus' humanity. Okay. So, we've seen that we're approaching Christmas. But that means that this is a time of year where an awful lot of mistakes are made about Jesus Christ, aren't they? You know, for many people, there's a kind of like haziness, isn't there? There's a kind of fogginess about the whole sort of Christmas thing. Even for some people who come to church, even for some people who call themselves Christmas, you know, the whole nativity thing, there's a bit of haziness. They know that God has done something at Christmas, and they know it involves us. This little baby Jesus born in a manger in Bethlehem and all that. But really, the, the, the meaning behind it, beyond that, is a haziness. There's lots of mistakes that are made. Do you know what? That's always been the case. Always been the case. You know, even since the, the time of the early church, there's always been these misconceptions or... There's been these huge big errors that have been made about Jesus' humanity. Now, let me give you a couple of examples 
of those mistakes, okay? Follow me in these. The first one was called docketism, okay? Docketism. Now, these docketists, you know, this is years ago, this is early church, but these docketists, they believed that Jesus' humanity, Jesus as man, was just an illusion, okay? So they believed that anything that you could touch, that anything that was physical, that anything that was material, that was kind of inherently a negative thing, it was a bad thing. So they believed when Jesus came to earth, you know, you could see him, but it was really just an illusion that his humanity wasn't real. They had this, they had this, this, this big expression, a kind of famous expression, that when Jesus walked on the sand, you could see him, but he didn't leave any footprints. Okay? So just an illusion. That's the docetus. Okay. A second, another mistake was made by what was called Apollinarianism. Okay, Apollinarianism. Now, these guys were different to the Docetists. These guys, they believed that Jesus was physically real when he came to earth. Okay, they believed he was physically man. But they, they didn't believe that he had a, a, a human mind. You know, they believed, these Apollinarianists, they believed that Jesus on earth could act as a man, he could do stuff as a man, but he never thought as a man that he could only think of God. Now, what are you thinking yourselves? Are you sitting there wondering, what on earth are we talking about these mistakes for? Is that what you're thinking? Let me tell you. You see, both docetism and Apollinarianism, they both believed in a partial incarnation, didn't they? See, these guys, they they believed that Jesus was only kind of like a man. You know, they believed that he was only sort of human. But friends, what we have to understand this morning, if we're going to get our heads around this grand topic that we're, we're discussing today or looking at today, we've got to get our head around that scripture goes to great lengths to show us that that idea of a partial humanity is absolute nonsense. Scripture goes to great lengths to show us the proofs. It goes to great lengths to show us that Jesus' humanity wasn't partial. It was full. It was a complete and entire humanity. Let's just think about what Scripture tells us. You see, we're given a, a background to Jesus' Humanity, aren't we? I mean, we've got his genealogy, right? And we're given his ancestry and his lineage. We're given his parentage. Come on. And we're, we're, we're even given an account of Jesus' birth. Then, Scripture tells us the reality of Jesus' body. These docetist guys... They were miles off it. That Jesus had a real body. That, like you and I, Jesus grew older, didn't he? I mean, like you and I, Jesus felt hunger. And Jesus felt pain. Like you and I, Jesus was one who could and would ultimately die. It's a human body. But also, Scripture tells us that 
the reality of Jesus' human mind. You know, the, the Docetists were wrong, but these Apollinarianists, those guys were wrong too. Jesus had a human mind. I mean, think about what we're told in Luke's Gospel. Think of it this one. We are told that Jesus grew in wisdom. A human mind. He grew in wisdom. But also a human mind in the fact that he had limitations on his knowledge. Jesus did not know the time of his second coming. So he had a human mind. He had this human body. Then I guess even the the relative normality of much of Jesus' earthly experience is is further evidence of his humanity, isn't it? Come on. Scripture tells us that for the best part of 30 years, not all that much happened in Jesus' life. You know, for the best part of 30 years, Jesus Christ worked as a carpenter. He was a joiner. You know? For the best part of 30 years, he had the same sort of issues that we had, paying the bills and, and looking after his, his, his family. He led a very normal human life. Do you see, folks? Scripture lays it out for us. It lays out all these proofs, all these evidences that in all aspects, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us but that that takes us somewhere doesn't it i mean surely with that 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 has to lead to the question why i mean why is scripture so keen such pains to lay out the fullness and the completeness of jesus humanity And it goes to all these proofs and evidences. Why is that important? Why is the fullness of Jesus' humanity important? Well, let me take you back to something someone in the early church said. Okay? Now, I love these early church fathers. And you might say, oh, that's great. That's that's good. You know, they've got a sort of sound theological reason for that. I love these early church fathers because I love their names. You know? These guys had great names. Josephus, that's a good name. What about uh, Ambrose of Milan? You know, that's a, a stonking name. Well, this guy here, I'm going to talk about, his name was Gregory of Nazanzius. Another great name. But he said this in reference to Jesus' humanity. He said this, get this. He said, that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. That which he has not assumed, he has not healed. Now, do you see what Gregory is is saying there? He's saying that if Jesus Christ was anything less than 100% man, that he could not have redeemed humanity. You see it? If Jesus Christ is just an illusion of a man, if Jesus Christ only possessed some of the facets, some of the characteristics, some of the traits of a man, then really, let's face it, his death on the cross was totally meaningless. Because if he has not, if he has not died as a man, then he has not fully atoned for man's sin. So you see, that is why scripture goes to such lengths to show us the fullness. 
the completeness of Jesus' humanity. He was fully man, and therefore he could fully redeem mankind. Okay, friends, so what's the date? It's the 1st of December. I don't know if you can believe it. We are into December. Well, let's go into this whole festive period this year thinking differently, shall we? Let's go into this coming month not thinking hazily or in a fuzzy way about the incarnation. Let's in everything this Christmas, you know, in every Christmas light you see, in every Christmas song that we sing or every Christmas present that we buy, let us be worshipping God for this, for the depth, for the extent of Jesus' humanity. Let us praise him that the Son of God became man and that he did so without sin in every single aspect of his being. So our first heading is the overwhelming evidences of Jesus' humanity. The overwhelming evidences of Jesus' humanity. Okay. <clears throat> Let's move on. Let's consider our second heading this morning. Let's consider the ongoing extent of Jesus' humanity. Okay. The ongoing extent of Jesus' humanity. Now, you ready for this? I've got a theory. Okay? Here is my theory. My theory is that as you get older, the way that you are aged differs. Okay, follow me on this. You know what sounds crazy? Get it. You know, if you're an old man like myself, you get aged in your decades, don't you? you say, How old is that guy? Oh, he's in his 30s. Or he's in his 40s. Or he's in his 50s. Okay? Aging decades. But when you're younger, let's say when you're a teenager, it's actually the years that are important, isn't it? I mean, think back to when you changed from 14 to 15. That was a big deal, wasn't it? You know, when you're a teenager, the years are important. Then when you go back (coughs) even further, and you think about little babies and little children. You know, we don't age our babies or our little kids in decades, do we? And we don't age them even in years. We age them in stages and phases. Or the wee baby's in its teething stage. Or the wee baby is in its rolling over stage. It's phases. It's stages. But what we need to see here, in this heading, is that Jesus Christ's humanity was not a phase. His humanity was not a stage. You see, yes, there was a beginning, but there is no end point to Jesus Christ's humanity. Now, we see that in the fact that Jesus remained a man after his resurrection. Don't we? You see, think about this. Jesus didn't become a man, then live as a man, die as a man, and then, 
when it was time for his father to raise him from the dead, the father didn't just raise him as a, a, a spirit, did he? Now, what did Jesus do immediately upon his resurrection? Jesus Christ goes to his followers. He goes to his disciples and he shows them his bodies. He says, look at the nail marks in my hands and in my feet. I am raised and I am raised a man. Jesus remained human after his resurrection. But more than that, and this is, this is the important one. We see Jesus' ongoing humanity in the fact that he remained a man upon his ascension to heaven. He remained a man upon his ascension to heaven. You see, think about it again. Jesus didn't become a man, follow me on it, didn't become a man, didn't live as a man, didn't uh, die as a man, didn't rise as a man, and then... When it was time to, to go home to his father in heaven, when it was time to return to glory, his humanity didn't just, just, just end, did it? You know, when it was time to return to glory, Jesus didn't just disappear as a, a ghost. No, what do we learn in Acts 1? We learn that Jesus entered into heaven, that he ascended, in bodily form, that he went up in the sky before his disciples' very eyes. You see, we're told that Jesus entered into glory to live forevermore. Yes, as one who was God. So he went into glory as one who was man. So there's a beginning to his humanity, but there is no end point. Now, okay... That's true. It's evidently the case in Scripture. That's true. But we're asking, what does that mean for us this morning? How do we unpack that? Well, I'm sure that we've all in here been uh, kind of shocked by the news of that slavery case that came out of Brixton last week. I mean, I presume everyone's heard of it. It's a, it's a it's an awful thing to read about, isn't it? I mean, it's a, a terrible thing to, to, to hear about these human beings being treated horribly. It's awful to hear about these people who had the worst home environment possible, didn't they? And I know that that instance in Brixton is an extreme example. But it is the case that throughout the UK today that many people have just the most awful homes. You know, in our country today, there are so many people who have just got, who have had awful upbringings, who live in the most awful living environments. Well, what this truth, the truth of Jesus' ongoing humanity does, is it gives us reason to rejoice because here it shows us the, the truth, the true and the, the perfect home that exists for sin-free humanity. This ongoing humanity, it shows us the natural and perfect living environment that exists for sinless humanity. Do you see it? Jesus ascended as a man. 
And that means that not only have we got someone in glory who, 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 who relates to us and empathizes with his people, but it also means that in God's plan of salvation, his fundamental intention was to save his people, but also to have them to come and live and dwell with him in glory. Jesus Christ ascended as a man. And that means that there exists now a beautiful, an unimaginably beautiful home for humanity, for the people of God. Now consider what that means for you this morning. Because... It might well be that you had a pretty awful childhood. You know, it might be the case that you had a pretty, pretty miserable upbringing. I tell you, it might even be the case that now, even now, that your home life has not been or is not what it should be, that your home life has been difficult, that your home life has been almost unbearable. Is that the case? Well, hear this. If your sin is dealt with at the cross, and if you belong to Jesus Christ, then like him, what is going to happen is you are going to be raised. Like him, you are going to ascend, and like him, you are going to go home. You are going to go home to live with the Father. You are going to go to the place where you truly and eternally belong. So this morning we praise God, don't we? We praise God for the provision of a perfect home. And we praise God for the ongoing extent of Jesus' humanity. So we have seen the evidences, haven't we, of the evidences in Scripture of Jesus' humanity. And then we have seen the ongoing extent that it's not a phase, his humanity continues. Let's consider a third heading. <coughs> Let's consider the outstanding example of Jesus' humanity, okay? The outstanding example of Jesus' humanity. Okay, so I'm guessing that everyone in here has probably heard the name Rob Ford. Have you heard the name Rob Ford? Even if you haven't heard the name, you know who it is, I think. Because Rob Ford is that Canadian mayor who's been in the news uh, over the the past month. Uh, What we say about Rob Ford? Rob Ford's not been on his best behaviour. Has he? Uh, Rob Ford has been caught doing all manner of things. He's been caught doing drugs. He's been caught uh, swearing. He's been caught very publicly losing the plot, I think. Well, <coughs> his antics have kind of led to an outcry in this home city of Toronto. Why? Well, because the dude is the mayor, isn't he? I mean, this is the mayor. The mayor is not supposed to be living like this. The mayor is supposed to be setting a standard of behaviour for his citizens to follow, isn't he? 
Well, it's something like that that we're just going to finish with this morning. Because we've seen most clearly over the last few weeks that Jesus became man. And he did that primarily to win salvation for his people. But we have to close with what I'm loath to call it a byproduct of his humanity. It's not a byproduct, it's more of a consequence of Jesus' incarnation. Because you see, in becoming man, what Jesus did was he lived the purest life. We know that, don't we? Jesus lived a sinless life, a, a, a pure life. But because of that, what has happened is that Jesus has left us a model. Jesus has left us an example to live by. And we get this wrong as Christians all the time. I mean, we do. We, we think that it is just about obeying the commandments of God. But it's not. We are, yes, to obey the commandments of God. But we are also to live mirroring, imitating, following the example that has been set out for us in the life of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, we just end with these two thoughts. Ready for them? Just two thoughts. One, Jesus' humanity sets an example for our spiritual lives. His humanity is an example for our spiritual lives. Do you see what I mean by that? You see, Jesus Christ was perfect. Yet despite that, in his humanity, he spent time bowing to and being devoted to his Father. I mean, he was sinless. But yet he prays. He was sinless, yet he goes to the Word. He's sinless, yet he attains worship services. You see, these spiritual disciplines, we have to understand that these are not the preserve of sinful mankind. Friends, do not make the mistake of just going to the Word when you are feeling particularly wicked. Don't just pray when you're feeling particularly sinful. No, we look to Jesus Christ, we look to his humanity, and we see that even in its perfection, that Jesus Christ consistently, consistently bowed before and praised his Father, and we must do the same. And then the second thought with which we end, Jesus' humanity sets an example for our evangelism. It sets an example. His humanity sets an example for our evangelism. And it does, doesn't it? I mean, you see, when all is said and done, why did Jesus bother going to Bethlehem? When all said and done, why did Jesus become man? Well, Jesus became man 
out of love for fallen humanity, didn't he? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. The incarnation, it comes from a heart of love. And you see, that there is the example for our evangelism, isn't it? We are to be a church who is not some sort of a Christian cluster. You know, we're to be a church that isn't that sort of, you know, stereotypical holy huddle. No, we are to go out with the gospel. We're to go out there. Why? Because yes, we love God, but also because we are to love people. We are to love the lost. So friends, let's keep that in view throughout this whole festive period. Let's use this coming month, the whole of December, let's use it to talk about the gospel. Let's use it to tell other people of this amazing home that has been prepared. Let's use this whole month to tell others about the gracious miracle. That loving action, that wonderful truth, that God became man. Let's pray.